Thank you for some of that. (laughs) With the exception of heaven, I cannot now think of a place that I would rather be than right here at this moment. And one day I'm going there. And that's no brag, that's fact. And the fact is, Jesus is the Lord and Savior, and He has saved me. And as I walk hand in hand with Him in the light, one day I know that I will see Him face to face. And you can experience that as well. I heard some wonderful things about the church here, and I have observed some wonderful things about the church here. And one of the things that I heard that just brought joy to my heart is the fact that some people recently have been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. And I want you to know you can make that decision this morning. It's become sort of a custom for people to walk down toward the front during an invitation song. It doesn't necessarily have to be done that way. Following this service today, you can tell one of the good people who are members of this church, you know, God requires of me simply that I accept the love that He has manifest through Jesus Christ and ultimately be led to believe and repent and be baptized. You know, I'd like to be baptized, but I don't know where to go from here. And they will lead you to that point. And through baptism, we receive the remission of sins, not because there's anything special, I assume there's water here behind me, but not because there's anything special about the water, but there's something special about the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. It was the only sacrifice, the only blood that could cleanse all sinners of sin from the time of creation until the end of time, and you can have that free gift. Why would anyone turn that down? So I want you to think seriously about that. And now for my second sermon. I'm going to be primarily talking to the church. And I love what I'm seeing here, so many good things about this church. And speaking of Spencer, I have to address that. I could give you a long list of wonderful things about Spencer And Spencer sent those to me by way of Melissa, and she gave those to me right. But seriously, Spencer, you're blessed with a man of God who loves people, who most of all loves the Lord, and God has also blessed him with the ability to break the bread of life, to preach the gospel, support him. I know that he loves you. I know that for a fact. Let's turn to a text found in Matthew chapter 14. Would you please do that? Matthew chapter 14, and I'll be reading beginning at verse 22. I'd like for us to understand something that had happened just before this. Jesus must have been tired to the bone. He must have been really fatigued because he had done so much. He'd been teaching 
one time after another, after another, after another, and he was in a human body, and a human body can only take so much, and he must have been fatigued. He must have been emotionally somewhat down because John the Baptist, not too long before this, had been beheaded. And so he was tired, he was down, and then he performed this wonderful miracle of feeding 5,000 men, to say nothing of the women and children who were there, but 5,000 men with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. And that's the only, that's, that, as far as I know, that is the only confirming miracle that Jesus did, known as a sign, that's the word used in the New Testament, as a sign that he was the Son of God. Only the Son of God, only someone who was given power from God could have done that. And it's the only account I know of that's recorded in all four accounts of the gospel prior to the cross. And so some wonderful things had happened, but some amazing things were about to happen as well. Let's look down to verse 22. Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go, go before him to the other side, that's of the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee, while he sent the multitudes away. Finally, he needed to be alone. He needed some alone time. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. If Jesus needed a long time to pray, so do we from time to time. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch beginning about three o'clock in the morning, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. That means they were scared to death. They were troubled and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, 
truly you are the son of god sometimes i think we're a little harsh in our treatment of peter yes jesus rebuked him and he said why did you doubt and i want to address that word doubt here but why did you doubt but he was rebuking him for a reason. He wanted to drive home a point. He wanted that to stay with Peter because he saw in him someone who could become even a greater leader for him and his cause. Two words in the Greek for doubt that I know of. One stands for being totally without resource. The word diaporial. Why did you have no faith? That's not what he's saying here. Why were you just filled up with doubt? That's not what he's saying here. Distazo. Why did you distazo? That's what he's saying. Why did you stand divided? And folks, I don't know about you, but I've been there plenty of times. Standing divided. I want to do something. I believe I can for the moment. And then all of a sudden, doubt creeps in. I had that experience back when I was just a kid, a little older than Spencer. Back when I was just a kid, I was already a father. And my grown children dared me to bungee jump. Do you have children like that? Bless your heart. Well, I accepted the dare. I said, I can do it. And I celebrated my birthday on that occasion by bungee jumping. I knew I could do it. And so I climbed up, and back then I could climb steps, and I climbed up the steps onto the platform, and I thought to myself, why did I come up here? And I stood divided. And the guy who was standing next to me, running this thing, he was a big muscled up young man, and he said, oh, you're going to jump. And so instead of being pushed, I finally decided to jump. But even on the way down, I, I was feeling doubt. I thought, boy, I'm impressing my children. And another part of me saying, you ain't very smart. And that was what Peter was doing here. He had faith in Christ. Can you imagine saying, now you see someone and it's still dark, and you see someone is walking on the water. Everybody thinks it's a ghost. That's scary enough. And there's the wind and the waves tossing the boat that you're in. It's already a frightening situation. And one of them, while the others have a death grip on the boat, one of them says, Lord, if it's you, let me walk to you on the water. That's not, I think, what I would have said. Let's not be too tough on Peter. He got out of the boat and walked toward Jesus. And yet, peripheral vision, he saw that the wind was blowing so hard, the waves were tossing, and he must have thought, why did I do this? All of a sudden, why? Because the focus changed 
from looking at Jesus to looking at the boisterous waves and beginning to sink. And I've been there too. I've endeavored things for the Lord from time to time, and I wasn't successful, not as successful as I wanted to be. I didn't see that I had made a good decision, and I started to sink. But notice this, immediately the Lord reached out his hand and lifted him up, and he held him securely. And they walked back to the boat in safety. Now, another thing that's kind of curious about this text, once Jesus and Peter got back to the boat, got back in the boat, the wind ceased, the waves were no longer threatening to wreck this boat, and it was at that point that the other disciples said, you are the Son of God, we worship you now. I love that we have a safe place, and by the way, a beautiful place to assemble and worship God. But Peter worshiped Jesus while the waves were still tossing, while the storm was still raging, and that's the lesson, brothers and sisters, we need to learn. You look at the world around us, and while sin is raging, sin is raging in our society and throughout the world, but we need the courage of Peter to step forward, to get out of the boat and walk, even though we might have, as Jesus told Peter, little faith. Do you remember what Jesus said about little faith? He said, if you have faith, even like a grain of mustard seed, you can move this mountain. God can move it for you because of your faith in Him. Do we need a stronger faith? I need a stronger faith, but I, I don't think that's our greatest need for a stronger faith. We need to zero in on the object of our faith. There was the problem. He saw Jesus. He decided, this is the Lord. He says he's the Lord. Lord, if it's you, then let me walk on the water toward you. How could he possibly do a thing like that? It wasn't because he was, his faith was so big. Jesus said, why did you have little faith? No, it was because of the object of his faith. His eyes were on the object of his faith, and the object of his faith was Jesus Christ. And he remains even to this day the hope of the world. So we do we need a stronger faith? That's a good thing. But we need to zero in on the object of our faith. Second Timothy. In chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, Paul is reassuring Timothy, now I'm about to leave, I'm going to, to die soon, I'm going to be going away, which he says is far better. I want to go to heaven. And he did too. But he said this, he said, Timothy, don't worry, because I know whom 
I have believed and am now persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. He knew what he believed. Church, we need to know what we believe, why we believe it. But Paul said, I know whom I have believed. He's the object of my faith. And he's the one who's promised to reward me. We need that. You know, one of our problems in the church today is the very similar to the problem that we see in these frightened, boat-bound disciples, these paralyzed men. The Lord wants us to let go of this grip on our world, keep our eyes on Christ, and He wants us to get out of the boat and walk toward Him. And once we do, and folks, when you're baptized into Christ, then you can walk with Him, hand in hand, walking in the light as He is in the light. You'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all sins, and that can be your gift. How in the world could you say no to that? And you can do that today. We need to get out into this world of helpless, hopeless people feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and getting the message of heaven out into a world that is destined to hell. That's not a popular thing to say today, but I don't care what's popular. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the world is condemned. Matthew 25, Jesus said, Because you didn't reach out, feed the hungry, you didn't clothe the naked, you didn't tend those who need care, then I'm rejecting you. He identifies with people who need that. And he said, When you didn't do it, you sinned, and I'm rejecting you now. Matthew 28, Mark chapter 16, he says to his disciples to go and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And by the way, did you hear that great scripture reading a few moments ago from John chapter 3? We know verse 16, don't we? For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what about those next two verses? For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, and we could insert the word condemn there in our commentary, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The world without Christ is lost already. My dad used to say a person doesn't have to die to be lost. He doesn't even have to get sick. A person without Christ is lost already. And church, we know what our mission is. Get out of the boat, go and talk to people. 
You may not feel as though you have that ability. Let me ask you something. Do you think Peter thought he had the ability to walk on water? Of course not. But the focus of his faith was Jesus Christ, and he did that which was called for. I'm not a professional church critic. I don't want to be one, have no desire to be one. But I have to be honest and say this. In the mid and late part of the 20th century, and now during the 21st century, we're lagging behind, church. We're lagging behind. And we're choking on the dust of those who are getting out there and doing what we ought to be doing so that Jesus Christ can receive the glory. See a lost world for what it is and know that we need to get out and do something about that. You know, I, I read a lot of really good, deep material, and I love Garfield cartoons. And I remember one Garfield cartoon in which Garfield, the fat cat, he's sitting there in his comfortable chair, and he looks over and he sees poor Odie, his little doggy friend, looking in through the window. And Garfield thinks to himself, poor Odie, out there in the cold, locked outside in the cold, I, it's just more than I can take. I can't just sit here and look at him out there in the cold. And so Garfield gets up out of his chair and closes the curtains. Church, we can't close the curtains. See the world for what it is, lost and dying and on its way to hell. Well, I'm afraid. I can understand that. Jesus understood that Peter became afraid, but he still loved him. He still held on to him. He still blessed him. We can do that or just sit here in the boat, allow fear to paralyze us, but I pray that we will not do that. And I see in you, I'm seeing indications that your people who do get out of the boat because of your faith in Jesus Christ, and you get out and do those things that you know need to be done. Louis Pasteur was known for more than just coming up with a way of making sure that milk was pure enough from germs and things to, to drink and be safe and healthy in drinking it. He came up with a vaccine for one of the most dreaded diseases in years past, and it's still a terrible thing, rabies. He developed a vaccine that would give people hope. Now, that was a big task, especially for him. The reason being, the reason being, when he was a kid, he grew up in a village where a rabid wolf had come and attacked people in that village, bitten many people, and they had died from it. 
What a horrible thing. He was scared to death of dogs. Anytime he'd hear a dog howl or bark, it would make him freeze in his tracks. And yet, in developing a vaccine for rabies, he had to experiment with dogs. And so his, his laboratory became basically a kennel. Had dogs everywhere. How did he overcome that? A mother had come to him and told him that her son had been bitten by a rabid dog. And she didn't give up. She pleaded with him, and he was afraid to get that close to these dogs and do these experiments. But finally, her cries began to outweigh his fear, and so he developed that vaccine And though he had tried it on some dogs, he tried it on that young boy, and the young boy never developed symptoms of rabies. Why do I tell you that story? Okay. He was moved. He was haunted by. He was possessed by compassion for the suffering of that mother who cried for her son. We need to possess faith, but like he was in this case and like Peter was, we need a faith that will possess us. You know what the word possession means? We wonder about some people. Is he possessed? God's people ought to be a possessed people. Our faith needs to possess us. But sometimes we'll sit in the boat And we'll say, well, I don't know what needs to be done. How can you say that? I don't enjoy watching news. I don't know about you. And this crazy headset I'm not accustomed to, so overlook that, if you will. I watch the news, and I see all of these things that are trending in our society today that when I was growing up, I wouldn't have believed would be ever true in our God-blessed USA. And I get discouraged about that. Sometimes I think, I don't know what needs to be done, but how can we make those excuses and just sit in the boat while we know that this world is under the condemnation of fire and people are condemned already in their sin and are going to be eternally in a devil's hell, how can we sit safely in the boat and do nothing? Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, all of sin falling short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you tell people that? God gave His Son to die for us. 2 Peter 3 and verses 10 through 11. But the day of the Lord will come. It's not an iffy thing. It's going to take place. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it 
will be burned up. People are headed toward that day and we have a world filled with people who are unprepared. And can we then say, I, I just can't talk to people. Can you hand someone a gospel tract and say, I'd like you to read this. It's strictly good news. Tell someone about the services that you have here, wherein you worship God, but also you're led in study by your talented, gifted teachers and your preacher to look into the Word of God and there find Christ. Would you be willing to get out of the boat? I'm not going to guarantee that you won't begin to sink because Peter did. But you need to know Jesus has got you. If you're going toward him and walking with him, he's got you. You're going to be safe. We need to be motivated by what we see in our world and by the power of Christ. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Jesus said, I've come into the world to save sinners. This world is filled with sinners because they do not have Christ as their Lord and Savior. God demands, brothers and sisters, that we get out of the boat and that we walk by faith over the turbulent waters that we see everywhere in our world is just that. It's turbulent, it's frightening, but we need to walk over and upon the turbulent waters as Christ promised to enable us to do and reach out to a dying world. Someone once said, he who lacks courage lacks vision. He who lacks courage lacks vision. I want this church to have a vision, and I believe that you do. But if you don't have courage, you'll not have vision. Somebody said people are, are, are like hogs in that they can't look up until they're laid on their backs. Did you know that about hogs? I said that in a sermon one time, and one of the elders where I was conducting a gospel meeting, he was a hog farmer. He went home after the Sunday service, came back Sunday night and said, Preacher, you were right about that. I, I've been a hog farmer, have 3,000 hogs, and I've been a hog farmer for years, and I've never noticed that, that a hog doesn't have the ability to look up until you lay that hog on its back. And sometimes that's the case with us. Uh, things are going pretty well when I look up. I pray that God in His goodness will give us just enough tribulation to knock us down and turn us on our backs so that we can look up and see the all-powerful Christ who walked on water and who still has all power. And He will empower His church to do His work. The point's not about hogs, it's about disciples, unworthy disciples. And even at best, I'm unworthy, 
and justified and sanctified only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you of two, just a couple of quick things. In John chapter 4 here, Jesus said this in verse 35. Lift up your eyes. He was talking to his disciples. This is where Jesus had talked to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And she, having been an evil person, was so excited about what she had learned that this was the Messiah. She went and told a lot of people about that. And a bunch of men, I noticed that it was men who followed her back. And that might tell you something about her. But she went to the people that she had some influence on. And she went to these people and told them about her experience. And she said, you need to come and see about this. And they did. The disciples came back to Jesus while this woman and these guys were coming toward them. And he told them, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're white all ready for the harvest. I don't know if at that point they knew what he was talking about, but he was talking about the multitudes who were out there lost and coming to their only source, their only hope of salvation. And then he tells them that if you reap, then you'll receive blessings, you'll receive wages. Those who look up, and rock the boat, step out on faith, will make some mistakes. When you reach out, you're going to, from time to time, you're going to mess up. You're going to make some mistakes. You'll have some missteps. From time to time, you may feel as though, well, I'm sinking. I did something wrong. You'll make some mistakes. But listen, living people make mistakes. Dead people don't. And we are the living body of Christ, church. Living churches make mistakes. Dead churches don't. But we are to be the living body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Living people walking by faith and encouraging others and helping others to accept the blessing which you and I have. And that's why I said in the very beginning of this presentation, if you're not already cleansed in the blood of Christ, how can you say no? What in the world should hinder you from stepping out of the boat and saying to someone, you know, I know now that I need to be baptized. That's what the Bible says. Not because there's a miracle happening in the water, but because it represents our being buried into the death of Christ where he shed his blood, and it's there we contact his blood, and we are cleansed from all sins from the time you became an accountable human being until right now every one of your sins can be forgiven. You're not deserving of it. But because of God's goodness and His deserving perfect Son, why would you not do that? If you've been a boat-bound disciple, it's time to step out of the boat, walk toward Jesus Christ, and do that which He bids you to do, knowing that He has the power
to enable you. It takes courage to step out of the boat, but remember, it matters not how deep entrenched the wrong, how hard the battle goes, the day, how long. Faint not, fight on, tomorrow comes the song, and you can be a part of that song. We're going to be singing an invitation song, and you can choose to step out into an aisle and come forward, come in this direction. Some of the men of this congregation will meet you, meet with you. If you still have a few questions about what you need to do, they can guide you from the Word of God, not their opinions, not church doctrine, but they can guide you from the Word of God to know what you need to do, and then they can assist you in doing it. Why would you not do that? Step out of the boat. Walk toward Jesus. And we want to pray. Would you bow with me? Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and yet we are embarrassed that our love for you dims in comparison to your love for us. It is hard for us to even fathom that you allowed your Son, Jesus Christ, to give up heaven for a time, to come to this world to be mistreated, to teach, to love, and have that teaching and have that love rejected. And all because he desired to do your will and because he loved us. Heavenly Father, we can't really imagine why you would want us with you forever in heaven, but you've told us that you do, and God, we praise you for it. And you made it possible by giving your Son so that we might be washed in his blood and then walk hand in hand with him in a path of faithfulness so that one day we can have that great blessing. Father, we visualize being reunited with loved ones who have gone on before us, but even more than that, being able to see your Son face to face. What a glorious day that will be. Father, hold the hearts right now of those who are trying to make a decision. And move them, Father, in the right direction. We beg these things in the powerful name of Jesus, your Son, and our Redeemer. Amen. Won't you come now as we stand and sing?